Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Dr. Gregory Sadler. Greg, are you ready to do this? I sure am. Excellent. Let's do this. Greg is a practical philosopher. He is the president of Reason.io, the editor of Stoicism Today, an adjunct lecturer in philosophy at Marist College, and a YouTuber who you can find at GBI Sadler. I'm excited to have you on. Greg, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, I'm really happy to be back here in my hometown of Milwaukee, where I uh, grew up a little bit outside of this area. And uh, my wife, uh, she's also from the area. We met back in high school and then got involved with each other 25 years later, married, and then finally came back here. And she's she's my partner in the business as well. So I know that you've had a couple other uh, people on who, who have uh, partners like that as well. And I've also got two great kids, both of them really bright, uh, one of them in high school, one just finishing up elementary. They listen in on shows every once in a while, so I'm sure they'll, they'll hear this. And uh, we're kind of a musical family. Both of them sing. And I just recently, in the last about a year and a half, passed my bass down to my daughter, so she's doing a double threat. And now I just play banjo. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. And you, you, you moved away from Milwaukee for a little while. Where did you go? Oh, yeah. Both of us were gone for, for 25 years. My, my wife was out in New York the whole time. I was down in southern Illinois, then Indiana, then North Carolina, then moved up by her in New York. And uh, a lot of that had to do with you know professional life. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll say this. So I never thought that I would be anything other than a regular academic but I left a job where I was up for tenure and early promotion, and I was already moving into administration to, to essentially for love, to go up to New York. Uh, we were doing the long distance relationship thing for about a year, and that was really tough. So we decided to uh, bite the bullet in, in the middle of the recession, and uh, I had to learn how to become an entrepreneur as a result. Got it. And now back in Milwaukee, Starting a band, loving life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not good enough to start a band, but I am. I am uh, building the business here. So, so what I do is I, I take uh, philosophical concepts and adapt them for use, you know, in, in all sorts of uh, contexts, whether it's uh, corporate or psychotherapeutic, uh, ordinary people who want to improve their lives, and that's how I got involved with with Stoicism today. Uh, I'm the editor at, at present, and, and I was really interested in how the modern Stoics were doing such a great job in outreach to everybody. So when they offered me the uh, opportunity to become the editor, uh, I, was, I was really happy to do that. And so I thought today we would talk about principles and practices from Stoic philosophy. We would love that. What's the best jumping off point? Well, you know, if one of the things that, that the Stoics often seem to be very down on his money. So since your podcast is specifically about that, I thought we could talk about uh, the stoic view on, on money, which isn't as negative as it appears, okay. and how practicing stoicism 
can help you make better decisions with your your finances by putting things into perspective. I think that that uh, <clears throat> perspective for for my from my perspective perspective is is one of the most valuable things to have and oftentimes one of the toughest things to to get. So I I, I would love to hear about that. Yeah, you know, so let me make a pitch here for, for something that sounds very old fashioned. The Stoics talk about these four virtues, cardinal virtues. And these are character traits that we can develop that make our lives better. And, and they don't just make our lives better. They make us less of a pain for everybody else around us. <laughs> because, you know, if we're being just or we're being courageous or we're being temperate, um, we're not we're not screwing up other people's lives as much. And when there's money involved, of course, there's great potential to screw up everybody's life, right? No doubt. Um, now, prudence is the most important of the virtues for for many of the Stoics, and getting a proper perspective on things that's that's how we build that virtue. And and the Stoics give us all these lessons. And you don't have to, you know, take them all on at once. I, I, I strongly advise people not to try to do an immersion course in Stoicism, but to to do a little bit at a time, uh, so they don't get overwhelmed. But you know, if you adopt the right sort of perspective about what the real value of money is, or how it relates to things that you uh, didn't even know were important to you until you got into situations uh, where, where you suddenly had to make decisions. Then um, over time, you can have a, a, a better perspective on it. It's not that money doesn't matter, but you want it to matter just the right amount. Right. And that's an easy one to get out of whack, to really <laughs> trying to be pursuing money for the sake of money versus using money as a tool per, um for getting you the the kind of life that that that, that you really want, so prudence. yeah, you know, and so the Stoics are not unusual in among ancient philosophers. You know, you see Aristotle, Plato, all these other people talking about money being an instrumental good, uh, something that if we begin to value it for its own sake, we're we're going to screw ourselves up, mm-hmm. and we're also going to damage our our relationships with other people. You know, not just our family, but if we're involved in a company, we're going to damage our relationships with the people that we report to, the people that, that report to us, our, our peers, um, you know, clients, customers, whoever you have. So long as you're just, you know, focused on, on making a buck, you can't really focus as well on, on what it is that you do well that people want to pay you for. So that's, that's really key. And so, um, you know, I, the Stoics don't actually call money a good. They've got their own vocabulary about it. This is probably a good good jumping off point because this may turn some people off thinking, how, how can money not be a good thing? The Stoics call money, along with a number of other things, an indifferent, meaning that it really doesn't make a difference. And now anybody who's been broke can tell you that's that's not the case at all, right? right. But the, and the, and you can say, well, they're talking about the ideal person, this this wise sage. You know, for them, money won't really be an issue. That's not exactly what they they mean. An indifferent is something that doesn't have value in and of itself, like like a good character does, or you know, living out your relationships, or fulfilling your purpose in life. Uh, or the opposites of those, you know, negative value. So an indifferent is something that can contribute to the value of other things. So if you have money, you know, it can be used very well. You can found a school, you know, you can 
help people out when they're struggling and, you know, help, make it so that they're not distracted by the need to constantly think about where their next meal is coming from so that they can, they can work on themselves. It can be sort of like stabilizing. You can think of it as an analogy to when, when in psychotherapy, you know, we like to prescribe people all these medications and the medications don't really change you. They just change your brain chemistry for a little while. Right. And then that gives you a little breathing space where you can work on stuff and, and money can be used that way. You know, when we're, you know, we give somebody a job um, and give them an income, they now can start doing other things and uh, it, can, it can lead to the things that are more valuable so long as they don't lose sight of that. So the Stoics call money or wealth what, what a preferred and different. Preferred meaning not that we have a subjective preference for it, but that it's, it's uh, worth pursuing, just not worth pursuing for its own sake. It's worth pursuing insofar as we can use it to make our lives better. Got it. That makes sense to me. <clears throat> so what is the, uh, the next of the... It, uh, so you, you mentioned that there were four cardinal virtues, prudence being one of them. Do, oh, yeah. Do, do, do really the other three play into money or is prudence... The one that really all of them plays. play. Okay. All of them play into it. Yeah, I mean, if you think about justice, which consists, in, you know, at least in part, in giving people what they deserve. Um, well, you know, if somebody does something for you, and you said you were going to pay them, you better pay them, <laughs> otherwise right. you're being unjust. And you should ex- you should expect that from other people as well. I think a lot of uh, people, especially younger people in this time, often uh, have trouble in negotiation or uh, you know, asking for raises because they, they think that they're gonna get turned down. That also applies to courage, so we'll talk about that in just a minute. But, but justice, knowing what people ought to give each other, and then following through on commitments, that's also very important. Um, and you know, it's interesting, too, because the Stoics, in, in talking about justice, they include more than just following the rules and uh, you know, what we call strict observance of justice. They include benevolence or generosity in there. So, you know, should you buy the next round of drinks with your friends? Well, sure, but don't be the guy who's always buying rounds. Right. Uh, and, and don't be that stingy guy who's always, you know, walking off to the bathroom when it's time to, <laughs> to do the, the round yourself. Um, and, and, you know, should we be helping people out in, in other ways? And, you know, there are some guidelines for this. We should do so in such a way that we're not depriving others of their goods. So it's not like you rob Peter to pay Paul. Um, and we should do so in, when we're giving things to other people. We shouldn't be giving them things that are actually bad for them. So, you know, a, a massive uh, trust fund for an 18-year-old probably is not a good idea, you know, even though it seems generous at the time, unless it comes with a lot of conditions, you know. Right. Uh, so, so justice is very important and courage, too. If, um, if, I, can, if I can ask a yeah, question, absolutely. The, the, the flip side of that coin, well, uh, a, a, a different scenario from the giving a billion dollars to an 18-year-old. The idea of of universal health care or a um, or a guaranteed minimum income, how would Stokes view those things? That's a really interesting question. So I think that um, if we're looking at the classical Stoics, they would probably be for both of those things. But um, with the universal health care, I think they'd be for it just across the board because it, it's it's more rational. Um, you know, the, the, the current situation that we've got is just a complete mess, you know, (laughs) 
we could we could do an entire episode on the ins and outs of that. Um, when it comes to the universal basic income, you know that's that's trickier, right? Because it can it breeds a kind of dependency that that healthcare doesn't necessarily do because healthcare can be rationed out, right? Um, and you would want the people to be doing something um, so that it's not just being on the dole, but you know you also want to protect those who are particularly vulnerable. And this is this is going to be a, a really important question as we move further into this century where AI and advances in logistics and robotics are probably, you know, just realistically speaking in the next 20 years going to result in a large part of our population being out of work permanently. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on that? That's a, <laughs> I, I, uh, I have not formulated an opinion on that one way or another. I, I know from a very practical personal standpoint that when you give somebody something to someone for free, they don't always value it. So, yeah, quite true. But, you know, geez, I don't want people to, to be destitute and, and to be homeless and, 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 and to be at risk. So need to figure that out. You know, out. One, one of the other bigger questions, too, if you don't mind going off on this, nope. this topic a little bit, um, that I've been thinking quite a lot about is so, you know, we've got the universal basic income thing that that's a, a safety net, but it's not really going to solve the fundamental problem, which is what do you do with a, a large class of people for whom there's no real productive work? Are they just going to sit around and play video games all day? And, and, you know, we make sure that they stay inside so they don't get outside and cause trouble and start rioting just to have some excitement? Or do we like, you know, tell them, they should all go off to school. We, we can't, you know, we can't sell them a line anymore that, well, you should go to school so you'll get a better job because there, there won't be jobs. But, right. you know, what do we do with this uh, this whole population of people? And this is, I think, where stoicism can actually help out because of the focus mm-hmm. on individual self-development. Um, but it's it's going to be a tough sell uh, when when, you know, people are resentful about the fact that they can't find work and, you um, need to have something to do to, to occupy that day. We could have sort of a utopia where everybody gets to study whatever they like and, you know, learn all sorts of cool skills and hang out with each other. That would be really nice. But I, I think we're, we're probably that, that doesn't seem all that likely to me given human nature as, as we see it play out. I think we have to be much more realistic and say, all right, what are we going to do in order to try to nudge people towards doing something that's not productive in a work sense, not productive of an income, but is, is productive socially in some way. Well, that's right. What, what will be the main motivator if it's no longer money or, or, or gathering currency of some kind? So what will be the new currency if it's recognition or who knows, popularity? Pleasure seeking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's also where studying ancient philosophy, I think, can be useful because, you know, they would distinguish a, a whole hierarchy of of goods. And again, the Stoics, you know, they have their own terminology. They don't they don't call them goods, but but we can we can just lump them under there. So you've got things like you know wealth and pleasure, honor, social recognition, and then you know up at the top you've got something like virtue. And when we say that it's such an old fashioned word, I think it's better if we say something like, you know. Um, Activating your human potential, which also sounds a bit, you know, vague, but uh, or, or doing doing fulfilling work, uh, finding something that that is is meaningful 
and is morally valuable for you. And if we can get people to actually see that as not just a good among the goods, but as a better good than lots of likes on Facebook or you know Instagram um, or making tons of money or uh, and, you know, enjoying all sorts of pleasures, not that they can't have those things, but if we get them to see virtue as the primary good, then we're probably going to be okay. If we don't, then the Stoics would say we're going to be in lots of trouble because we will inevitably be in competition with each other. You know, it's not just about being in competition over money, uh, social recognition. If, uh, if you're getting more of it, I get less of it. It's that kind of good, mm. you know? So, we could spend an enormous amount of time and, and, and we'll, 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 we'll have you back on the show at some point. But if people were interested in, in, in pursuing stoicism, how would you counsel them to do that? Well, like I said, I, I don't suggest um, trying to jump in in a whole hog and, uh, you know, orient your entire life around it because that's, that's setting yourself up for a lot of failure, which, which will be discouraging. I would say, you know, get into it a bit at a time. There are a lot of great uh, websites and um, podcasts, video series, blogs, where you can get stuff. Uh, sooner or later, you're going to want to start actually reading classic Stoic texts, and those are readily available. You can find them online. You can find them in your local library if you're the kind of person who likes to buy texts. That you can do that. And the three people that you want to read are Epictetus, Seneca, and Marcus Aurelius. Um, there's a lot of great literature out there right now um, written by contemporary Stoics. Um, we have, you know, our, our modern Stoicism organization. Another thing, too, I'll mention is, you know, if you want to do this with other people, there's online forums where you can do this on Facebook and Reddit and, and other places. But there's also a thing called the Stoic Fellowship, which is worldwide. And they help to foster local Stoic meetups. Um, I think there's about 20 of them in the United States so far, and there's there's a whole bunch spread out over the rest of the world. We have one here in Milwaukee um, that meets monthly, and somebody, some enterprising young man, who I'm glad has got the energy to do this, wants to organize a weekly thing here in Milwaukee. So if you're interested in it, you go to these meetups, and uh, you get to chat with other people and, and compare notes. That's, that's a good way to do it as well, I think. Yeah. Well, there's certainly... Uh the internet brings us so many really terrible things, but so many wonderful things as well. And, um, yeah, I, I, quite I, true. I know that I was on your YouTube page earlier today, checking everything out and there's an enormous amount of great content on there. And I would just encourage everyone to go check that out. If they're curious about learning about more about stoicism and that's obviously at YouTube. And then, um, your page is GBI. S-A-D-L-E-R, but if you just typed in Greg Gregory Sadler, I'm sure that you would, that people would find you. So. Oh yeah, yeah. The best when people are asking how do how do you find me, just put in Gregory Sadler into Google, and there's a few others out there. But I've I've got so much content that I, I wind up going up to the top. Do you want to talk about some other uh, some other things that Stoicism I think could be helpful with in terms of uh, money matters? Yeah, you bet. So one of the key ideas. Um, that the Stoics focus on is the emotions. And, you know, money is always emotionally involved with us. And, and if we try to deny that, we're, we're usually at a disadvantage, right? We all have attitudes that we grew up with, and, you know, money is invested with our desires. Um, 
one author who's not a Stoic, Borges, uh, Jorge Lewis Borges, actually said, "Money is the future tense," which is a great way to talk about this. You know, it can it can get you whatever you you want, sort of in the imagination. And so, a lot of people's money problems are not really money problems; they're more emotional problems. They're more problems in thinking about what it is that they desire and what they fear. And so, Stoicism helps us to analyze that. Um, it's not the only possible mode, and actually it can be quite useful to, to use Stoic philosophy in conjunction with, say, psychotherapy or coaching. Um, but the, the Stoics think that we need to understand our emotional reactions and our attachments, not repress them, but realize that we, we actually have some choice about them. And, you know, we can think about, you know, some specific emotions like the joy that you get when you put your hand in your pocket and you find a $20 bill that you shoved in there uh, without realizing it. Uh, or we can think about the fear that people have about, well, what if I go broke? Um, what's going to happen to me? And Epictetus talks about this in, in one of his chapters. He says, what is it that you're really afraid of? Is it that you're going to starve? Uh, you probably won't starve because he, he uses the examples of runaway slaves. Look at even they find stuff to eat sooner or later. And if they don't, of course, they, they die. So it's not that you're really worried about being totally broke. It's, it's you're worried about other stuff instead, like not being able to provide for the people that you care about or um, what people will think of you or, you know, that you'll have to eat food that you don't really care for, like beans and rice. Um, you know, when you, when you're first starting out of business, you probably eat a lot of sure. beans and rice, I think. Sure. Right. And so if we can, if we can analyze these things, we can get some control over them. And then we don't have to have these knee jerk reactions when we open up our checking account and look at the ledger and say, oh man, I, I really don't have anything in there. Or, you know, if you're running a business and people aren't paying on time, you know, that can cause great anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. Um, how, and how do you handle that? And then if you, you know, if you can get control over your emotions that way, then you're not going to fire off a, an angry email at somebody who's 90 days past due and potentially lose a client, you know, just to use one example. Right. Excellent. Well, Greg, Savage Nation is ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them? So, again, I'm going to use Epictetus. He tells us... Um, Anything that we're fond of or anything that we, we really care about, we should remind ourselves what it really is. So I think we should do this with money. And when we have it, when we don't have it, we should remind ourselves that it's not something that really carries intrinsic value. It's just good for other things. And that way it won't have the kind of control that it does over us and we'll be able to use it much more wisely. I like it. That is great stuff. That definitely gets a come on. Come on. So, Greg, thank you so much for coming on. I mentioned your YouTube channel, but where else could people find you? Well, my, my business is Reason.io, so Reason.io.com. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on Facebook, just Google Gregory Sadler, and that'll come up quite uh, uh, early in the results. And then I do have a Patreon uh, account for, for crowdfunding for the video work. And I'm actually hoping to start transitioning into making podcasts of the videos. So, uh, that would be patreon.com slash Sadler. Excellent. 
Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed, enjoyed this as much as I did, show Greg your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Check out his YouTube page. Check out ReasonIO.com and support him on Patreon as well. Thank you again, Greg. Oh, you're very welcome. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we're all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!